أعدوا أعدوا وشدوا الهمم همم أعدوا أعدوا لنرقى القمم أعدوا أعدوا وشدوا الهمم همم أعدوا أعدوا لنرقى القمم أرونا الثبات أرونا الصمود أرونا مهاراتكم يا أسود أرونا الثبات أرونا الصمود أرونا مهاراتكم يا أسود أرونا مهاراتكم يا أسود Hello, everybody. This is our 10th episode, I think. That means two months and two weeks. We've been doing this for a minute. So, I don't have any uh, interviews this week, but I do have some interesting information. And what I do have is two studies, one very old, one very new, that recently just came out this month, I believe. One is called the Sinjar Records, which is basically a study based off of like 600 foreign fighter records that we got from Al-Qaeda in Iraq. The Sinjar Records is the same kind of study, but with even more information in it, and 3,500 foreign fighters over the course of 2013 to just a little bit after 2014, so right after the caliphate got declared, a couple of months after that. So this is this is some of the most important information that you can you can get right now, and this is going to go a long way in in confirming my personal bias, uh, my personal thesis perspective on this view that foreign fighters contain much more religious feeling or much more ideological of a lens, much more feeling of unity and this caliphate mindset, this bringing back the dark ages of Islam as golden ages, this this mentality of, of living the life of Muhammad and that, that whole thing, whatever we want to call it. Um, so I'm going to be reading basically this study and then giving you guys kind of a little bit of perspective and going back and forth between the two studies to see how they can compare a little bit with each other. But before I do that, I'm going to read to you some of the more interesting facts about this study that I think you guys will really be astonished by. I suppose that's the best word for it. Can't think of another. So let's get that started. So this is easily the most interesting information that I think I've ever received on this. So it starts off speaking about the average ISIS fighter, and I'm not going to read you fucking every single thing on this thing, but I'm going to give you a lot of inf the, the bullet points. So the birth date. The average fighter was born in 1987, which means the average age of a fighter in the, d the data was approximately 26 or 27 at the time of their crossing into Syria. Marital status. 59% of the fighters reported to be single. 23% were married with children. 7% were married without children. 1% were tagged as other. And others had multiple wives or were divorced. Uh, and the remaining 10% had left a blank space. Now, one thing to keep in mind here, this is only a sample of 3,500. This is only a sample of 2013 to a little bit after the caliphate was declared. I think it's like October or November uh, 2014. So it doesn't have the bulk 
the largest amount of the recruits that they got. And it does it's just one uh, facility that you're getting this from. So you're not getting all of the averages and all of the means. You're just getting whatever people went to this place during this time, uh, that time period. Level of schooling. Only 5% of the fighters reported little to no education. That is incredible. That is absolutely incredible. There's a huge debate going on right now. There's a huge debate going around on what are the things that are contributing to these fighters existing? What are the factors? This almost single-handedly, given there's like discrepancies in data, but this study for this batch of people single-handedly almost excludes education as a factor. I mean, these aren't idiots. These aren't moron fucks that have no idea what they're doing. They at least have a, a high school education or a basic elementary school education. It is not no ele no education whatsoever. Uh, 32% reported a high school education. 15% re uh, recorded basic elementary school education. 10% reported partially completed university studies. And 13% reported completing university studies or advanced degrees. What the fuck? What the actual fuck? That is incredible. That is absolutely incredible. There's this great book that recently came out called, like, The Engineers of Jihad or something. And it showed this astounding correlation with, um, with fighters among many, many jihadist groups all around the world. Uh, they didn't include, um, Al-Qaeda and, uh, the Islamic State specifically to avoid, like, any patterns, since these guys might have some specific patterns. They wanted to really diversify the pools of information. And they saw an insane correlation with engineers and jihadists. It was like a 600 sample and like three to four hundred people were engineers. I'll go through that study another time and I'll share that with you guys. It is remarkable. But just keep in mind, okay? Keep in mind. So 13% of 3,500 fighters were, had completed college. They completed college. These are educated, sophisticated people. They were like, um, I could get a job. I could keep my job. I could keep my family here. I could, uh, I could stay single. I've got you know things go, going really good. I think I'll go and join and create a caliphate and uh, go and murder the Shia and throw some gays off of the roof and uh, you know enforce the Sharia, make sure we're all living by God's law, and keeping the world safe from corruption. What an incredible, what an incredible set of circumstances that is. That is. That is magnificent in, in, in so many different ways. Uh, approximately 25% of all respondents left their answers blank. So there's really nothing to be said there. Levels of religious education. Now this is a tough one because one, you're not required as a Muslim to know all the intricacies of religious education. Two, when you're applying to the Islamic State, you're probably not going to write, I know everything about being a Muslim. Um, but getting that out of the way. 
55% reported at least basic religious knowledge. 20% reported moderate religious knowledge. 5% considered themselves advanced, and the remaining 20% were left blank. That is very interesting. Basic knowledge is still enough. I mean, religiosity isn't calculated in how much you know about the religion, but it's how much you've been inspired and how much you... Uh, it's like socialism. It's This is something that is... It is more than just an idea to you. It is something that you feel has to be done. It is a moral obligation. You need to do this. Um, and I remember, uh, you know, feeling faith and stuff like that, but I remember feeling it more when I thought socialism was a, was a really good construct. I remember, like, believing in that construct, and I remember what that felt like, and it, it made you want to be a part of that movement in some, some sort of sense. Uh, so I can understand that very vividly, how an ideology could compel a person to do these things. This is the foreign fighters. So this is this is really the biggest area of ideological ideas mattering, uh, or religion and the Qutbism, Tekfirism, Salafism mix uh, really plays into the hold, uh, where you're sold this propaganda, you you watch it, you're reiterated stuff that you value. So you you have the same values as these people. Of course, you value the Sharia. Why wouldn't you? Um, there, I mean, there's, there's definite links. You will not find any Christians and Jews joining ISIS. You will not find any atheists joining ISIS. You will not find any moderate Muslims joining ISIS, despite what you might think. Uh, you will only find one brand of Muslim joining, and that is a Salafist slash Qutbist. Those are the only two kinds that could ever join ISIS on purpose, um, through their own volunteering. Uh, that come around the world and whatnot. And that is a subsect of Islam, um, branched from Salafism that takes basically Qutb's writings as uh, the religious arguments. So that's that's what Qutb is. Qutb, Qutb makes these, these arguments that, you know, the Sharia has to be imposed on people. The Sharia um, is right because God created it. The Sharia... Uh, the the the, cho the choosing of religion the um the freedom of choice in religion that is an obligation that you're a, a privilege you get when there's only one choice of religion and that is Islam so like this this is the mindset that Qutbists will have um, Salafism provides the requiring of the actions of previous prophet uh, the prophet and his companions as being the the most correct things that you could have ever have done the, the the most right people in existence anytime there's a disagreement about anything you you look back and you see what those guys did and you use that to make your rulings that is what salafism is in a nutshell uh, there's i mean i'm super super condensing these down for you guys Tekfirism is just a, a part of the doctrines um but depending on how you interpret it i mean there are many many ways if you interpret it the way the book is you can do tekfirism on anybody, but even inside of ISIS, there's a small group that'll do tekfir on everybody that doesn't do tekfir on the fucking caliph of, of the Islamic State. So, I mean, there's these strands of interpretation, and you can argue your side is right, um, but it is still interpreted. So, 
that's that's the religious factor. Now let's look at previous employment. In all forms, 19% reported being unemployed or working at a subsistence level, either farmers or shepherds. 30% reported being students or unskilled laborers. 34% reported blue-collar work, electrician or mechanics. 14% reported professional work, pharmacists or managers. And 3% reported advanced skills work. Doctors and engineers? What? Oh my god. <laughs> this is incredible. This study is amazing. Okay, um... That's fucking fascinating, man. That is like middle-class, blue-collar workers, high-class, uh, average-class people joining ISIS. That is the average ISIS fighter. That's fucking incredible. Wow. Okay. Um, countries visited. Of the 75% of fighters who self-reported traveling abroad, the average fighter traveled to 1.5 countries with a standard deviation of 1.6 meaning they traveled between zero and three countries. Only 89 of the fighters, 3%, reported traveling to more than five countries. Previous Jihad Experience 82% of the fighters in the database reported that they did not have any previous Jihad experience, while 11.5% had previously fought primarily in Libya or Afghanistan or with another group in Syria prior to joining ISIS. The remaining 6.5% didn't respond to the answer. Guys, that means that means almost 90%, I'm sorry, 82%, almost 85%, whatever, were new bloods into jihad. This was their first jihad. That's incredible. That's amazing, guys. Guys and gals, I'm assuming there's got to be one woman still listening to this. That is fucking incredible. Oh my god. this That means that this was their first time they had ever done something like this. Just think about that. I mean, first time blue collar worker with possibly a college education. Just deciding, I'm going to go and join ISIS. That's what I'm going to fucking, I'm going to go and, you know, do jihad. That's fucking incredible. And we're told poverty, education, uh, we're told foreign policy, we're told all these ridiculous, well, foreign policy is a little bit less ridiculous, it plays a factor, it does, but all these ridiculous notions for fucking the Islamic State joining, you guys could probably hear it, I have a smile on my face, I'm fucking grinning, um, this is incredible. This is the most remarkable study I've ever read. This is this is by Nathan. I'll leave his um I'll leave the the file here too for you guys to download. It's a PDF, uh, 42, 44 pages, and uh, I'll leave the guy that did this. Um, I'll leave his Twitter and his information in the post when I make this. This is one of the most incredible studies I've ever seen in my life. So let's take a look at the Sinjar records and kind of compare these. So in the Sinjar records, the average age for these fighters was around 22 to 23 years old. Um, the jobs, the job comparisons, uh, 
of the 606 files that they had of the fighters, they had 157 that reported their professions. Of those, 42%, 67 of them, were students. The remainder varied widely. Five teachers were recorded, as well as three doctors, four engineers. The remainings varied widely from the useful military to the bizarre therapist. (laughs) Now, in the record of the ISIS files, we do not have this next category. This next category is the most fascinating one. So, most of the fighters entering Iraq listed their work upon arrival, a category that primarily distinguishes between fighters and suicide bombers. The category seems to reflect the role of fighters hoped to have upon their arrival in Iraq, but it might indicate an assignment determined by local administrators. The translated versions of these convert the Arabic word ishtahari in a variety of ways as martyr, martyrdom, suicide bombers. The word itself means martyrdom seeker. We have coded all such individuals as suicide bombers in an effort to avoid confusion. Although Al-Qaeda's ideology embraces the concept of becoming a martyr during the course of traditional military operations, The purpose of these personnel records was to enable such commanders to efficiently allocate individuals for specific tasks in specific circumstances. Likely to refers, likely refers to individuals seeking uh, suicide attacks. So, of the 389 fighters that designated their work in Iraq, 56% were to be suicide bombers. Another 41% wanted were designated the traditional fighters. Several respondents listed more specialized tasks, including media operations, doctor, legal skills. (laughs) What the fuck do they need a lawyer for? Like, what the fuck? What the fuck kind of legal skills is Al-Qaeda in Iraq going to use you for? Huh? What the fuck are you going to do? I mean... (laughs) Yes, your honor, I would like to present the case for suicide bombing the little boy school. Uh, Yes, well, you see, uh, God said I could do it. Do you have a counter-argument, maybe, you'd like to present to the court? Hmm? Oh, my fucking God. Okay. So, there's something interesting to note. And it's that certain cities produce fighters that are more likely to be looking to become suicide bombers. So, or states and cities. Uh, Libya, a primo- like a large part from Derna, is, is the big area. Um, many from suicide, uh, many suicide bombers come from Saudi Arabia. And then the other one is from Morocco. And it looks like Saudi Arabia had 76 suicide bombers. Libya had 52. Morocco had 22. Oh, this is fascinating. And what's interesting about this, so... Saudi Arabia had 76, but that represents 50% of the Saudis that came to fight. 
So the other 50% became 40, uh, became fighters. Libya produced 52 people, which was 85% of their fighters. So 85% of the people that came from Libya wanted to be suicide bombers. Morocco produced 91.7%. And that's 22 people out of 24. That's incredible. Of the 244 Saudi fighters in the Sinjar records, 61.8% of them listed their work. Of that, 151, yeah, suicide bombings. This is interesting. So you find these hot spots of ideologically pure people, I, I think, is almost likely going to correlate with it. Um, and in the ISIS files, we find very similar things. So in Saudi Arabia, uh, in Qasim, that's where a lot of them come from, and they're motivated by sectarian rhetoric. Uh, Derna has much more religiously advanced people in it, um, and 52% of the fighters that come from Libya, or 62% of the fighters that come from Libya are from Derna in the ISIS files. So these are really, really interesting distinctions to be made. All right, so moving forward. Dabiq 15 came out today, and it has a lot of interesting things in it, but one area I'm going to focus on specifically is just one of the areas that I really consider uh, one of my focus areas, focal points, I suppose, and this is why they hate us and why they fight us, and this is literally the name of the article. Um, so in it, there's an exclamation point made out of words. And if you zoom in to about, uh, 400 or 500%, you can read these, these things that they're saying are the reasons why they hate us and why they fight us. And those things are paganism, mocking Islam, democracy, disbelief, man-made laws, polytheism, cross-worshippers, liberalism, secularism, and paganism. And it looks like it's just those five words reoccurring. Atheism, of course. <laughs> How could I forget atheism? Um, insulting the prophet. And those appear to be the only words. So the, it's an exclamation point made out of those words. And uh, I don't know if I can leave the PDF for you guys to look at it, but if you look up Dabiq 15, there's a way you can find it. Um, I don't know if I can really, if I'm allowed to just kind of like distribute that. So, uh, I'm going to read this to you, and it's going to be very apparent um, why they hate us, and some of the interesting things that you really have to understand uh, what they mean when they say this. So it says, Shortly following the blessed attacks on the Sodomite Crusader nightclub by the Mujahid Omar Mateen, American politicians were quick to jump into the spotlight and denounce the shooting, declaring it a hate crime, an act of terrorism, and an act of senseless violence. A hate crime? Yes. Muslims undoubtedly hate liberalist sodomites, as does anyone else with any shred of their fi uh, fitra inborn human nature, uh, in parentheses. 
still still intact. So he's saying anybody that has any kind of human nature should be hating the gays and the sodomites. An act of terrorism? Most definitely. Muslims have been con commanded to terrorize the disbelieving enemies of Allah, but an act of senseless violence? One would think that the average Westerner by now would have abandoned the tire tired claim that the actions of the Mujahideen, who have reportedly stated their goals, intentions, and motivations, don't make sense. Unless you truly, and naively, believe that the crimes of the West against Islam and the Muslims, whether insulting the Prophet, burning the Quran, or waging war against the Caliphate, won't prop prompt brutal retaliation from the Mujahideen. You know full well that the likes of the attacks carried out by Omar Mateen, Lurasi Abala, and many others before and after them in revenge for Islam and the Muslims make complete sense. The only thing that would be senseless would be for there to be no violent, fierce retaliation in the first place. Exclamation point. So let's, let's break this down a little bit here. So right now it's calling us out because we're not we're, we're calling their acts senseless violence when there's a clear method to their to their violence. There's no it's not just random. Secondly, they put these three things in the same category. So waging war against the caliphate, all right? So dropping bombs, killing innocent people. This is one of the things that will prompt a retaliation from them. One of the other things that's going to prompt the same level of retaliation is burning the Quran. Okay, the next thing that's going to prompt the exact same level of retaliation is insulting the prophet. I want you to think about that. Okay, so say we stopped waging war on the caliphate. If we do any of these other two things, they're still going to be waging war with us. They're still going to be attacking us. They're still going to be doing terrorism on us. So the mere act of these two things. Now, you, you could say these are stupid things to do. I think you're an idiot if you do that. Um, you can say that, why should we insult religion? I think you're um, a child that doesn't value freedom of speech and expression and liberty if you say that. But you cannot say that we should go about... <laughs> we're, we ha we're required to actively change for people because of their beliefs in their head on another side of the planet is what you're insinuating stop terrorism i i reject it no you don't get to control these aspects of my life you don't not, not in this century maybe uh 2100 years ago 1400 years ago sure you could do it then not anymore it's not even like we do this shit in mass but if you do it if you do it it's a declaration of war and they, they say most definitely muslims have been commanded to terrorize the disbelieving enemies of allah that's true um, now, is that true of all Muslims? No. Is that true of most Muslims? No. Is that true of 90% of Muslims? No. No, this is a specific sect. This is a specific sect that has been radicalized. And by radicalized, I mean they've taken religious arguments and they've, they've wrapped it into their belief. And it is now as it's second nature for them. This is... This is the natural uh, thought process for them now. And what, I, what, what I'm not approving of is people saying this is Islam. Um, and the reason I'm not approving of that uh, is because even saying 
So, like, yeah, burning the Quran is going to piss people off. Yeah, insulting the Prophet is going to piss people off. But only one type of person is going to kill you for it, and it's these people. Um, it's not going to be, you know, your moderate Muslim neighbor or something like that. It's It's really important to make these distinctions because you want... There is this effort to remove the gray zone where they, they want, you know, normal Muslims to feel identified with these kind of Muslims. And I think if we don't help the reformers um, grab a hold of, of their version of Islam being the proper and uh, more tolerant and acceptable version, then we're not, we're not serious about fighting terrorism. We're not serious about uh, reforming these religious beliefs. We're not serious about making small advancements in society. This isn't going to be a next day, oh, you can draw the profit and then nobody will be pissed off. No, that's not going to happen. But we're going to make small advancements and we have to accept those minor advancements as we get them. We cannot be... It, you can't even make all Christians not hate gays. What makes you think you're going to overnight make Muslims not hate gays or not want to kill gays? I mean, just because one is really... Like, we can't... Atheists are more hated than Muslims in the United States. We can't even get ourselves accepted by our own peaceful, uh, crazy religious lunatics. What makes you think that these people are going to be able to reform their religion in an overnight kind of setup? So I really, I don't want people running around saying this is Islam, because while ISIS may be Islamic, that doesn't mean that they are representative, and that doesn't mean you want people to be like them. It is saying that they are following the most amount of Hadith, the most amount of Sunnah, and they're using religious, uh, literal arguments to use their methodology and ideology to justify their actions. That is what we're saying. That is what I'm saying. I don't know what you guys are saying. You can disagree with me all you like. But this is my personal opinion. If we're not specific about this, we're never going to get anywhere. And if we want to be constructive about it, we're going to need to be specific about it. Anyways, so moving forward, he says, Many Westerners have, however, are already aware that claiming the attacks of the Mujahideen to be senseless and questioning incessantly as to why we hate the West and... Why we fight them is nothing more than a political act and a propaganda tool. The politicians will say it regardless of how much it stands in opposition to the facts. And common sense, just to garner as many votes as they can for the next election cycle. The analysts and journalists will say it in order to keep themselves from becoming a target for saying something that makes the masses deem to be politically incorrect. The apostate imams in the West will adhere to the same tired cliché in order to avoid a backlash from the disbelieving societies in which they've chosen to reside. The point is, people know that it is foolish, but they keep repeating it regardless because they're afraid of the consequences of deviating from the script. There are exceptions among the disbelievers. No doubt, people who unabashedly declare that jihad and the laws of Sharia as well as everything else deemed t taboo by Islam is a peaceful religion crowd, are in fact completely Islamic. But they tend to be people with far less credibility, who are painted as a social fringe. So their voices are dismissed, and a large segment of the ignorant masses continues believing the false narrative. As much as such, 
it becomes important for us to clarify to the West in unequivocal terms, yet again, why we hate you and why we fight you. And here's their list. 1. We hate you first and foremost because you are disbelievers. You reject the oneness of Allah. And whether you realize it or not, by making partners for Him in worship, you blaspheme against Him. Claiming that He has a son, you fabricate lies against him, His prophets and messengers, and you indulge in all manner of devilish practices. It is for this reason that we are commanded to openly declare our hatred for you and our enmity to you towards you. There has already been for you an excellent example in Abraham and those with him. When they said to their people, Indeed, we are disassociated from you and from whatever you worship other than Allah, we have rejected you, and there has arisen between us and you enmity and hatred forever until you believe in Allah alone. Furthermore, just as you disbelief is the, is, just as your disbelief is the primary reason we hate you, your disbelief is the primary reason we fight you. As we have been commanded to fight the disbelievers until they submit to the authority of Islam, either by becoming Muslims or by paying jizya, for those afforded this option and living in, in humiliation under the rule of the Muslims. Thus, even if you were to stop fighting us, your best case scenario in a state of war would be that we would suspend our tax against you, if deemed if it deemed necessary, in order to focus on the closer and more immediate threats before eventually resuming our campaigns against you. This is incredible. This is literally incredible. This, that last segment, that is the entire truth about these, these caliphate-type groups. Al-Qaeda, Islamic State, they're all the same. When they say, stop bombing us, that does not mean it is the end of the war with them. That does not mean that we're going to live in harmony. That does not mean that if you stop bombing us, then we get our caliphate and we're happy. No, 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 no. That's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is they're going to wait until they're strong enough to fight us. And once they're strong enough to fight us, they will actively make a war against us. That is what they're going to do. And that is what is obvious to anyone that understands this mindset. Even if you were to stop fighting, your best case scenario in a state of war would be that we would suspend our attacks against you, if it deemed necessary, in order to focus on the closer and more immediate threats. This is incredible. This is saying we would stop attacking you till we got rid of Iran and Israel, or until we got Iran or Israel and uh, all the other apostate regimes. That's incredible. This is a, this is a brick of honesty uh, coming from these people. Apart from the option of temporary truce, this is the only likely scenario that would bring you fleeting respite from our attacks. So in the end, you cannot bring an indefinite halt to our war against you. At most, you could only delay it temporarily and fight them until there is no fitna and until the religion, all of it, is for Allah, al-Baqarah. 193. We hate you because your secular, liberal societies permit the very thing that Allah has prohibited, while banning many of the things he has permitted, a matter that doesn't concern you because 
use separate between religion and state, thereby granting supreme authority to your whims and desires via the legislators you vote into power. In doing so, you desire to rob Allah of his right to be obeyed, and do you wish to usurp that right for yourselves? Legislation is not but for Allah, Yusuf 40. Your secular liberalism has led you to tolerate and even support gay rights. To allow alcohol, drugs, fornic fornification, gambling, and usury, which is interest, to become widespread, and to encourage the people to mock who denounce these filthy sins and vices. As such, we wage war against you to stop you from spreading your disbelief and debauchery, your secularism and nationalism, your perverted liberal values, your Christianity and atheism, and all depravity and corruption they entail. You've made it your mission to liberate Muslim societies. We've made it our mission to fight off your influence and protect mankind from your misguided concepts and your deviant way of life. Isn't that beautiful? In the case of the atheist fringe, ooh, ooh, this is a message for us. This is exciting. We hate you and we wage war against you because you disbelieve in the existence of the Lord and the Creator. You witness extraordinarily complex makeup of created beings and astonishing and explicably precise physical laws that govern the entire universe, but insist that they all came about through randomness and one should be faulted, mocked, and ostracized for recognizing that the astonishing signs we witness today, day after day, are the creation of the wise, all-knowing creator and not the result of accidental occurrence or were they created by nothing or were they the creators of themselves at tour 35 your disbelief in your creator further leads you to deny the day of judgment claiming that you only live once those who disbelieve have claimed that they will never be resurrected say yes by my lord you will surely be resurrected then you will surely be informed of what you did and that for Allah is easy. Al-At-Tahabun 7. Yes, that was incredible. <laughs> oh my god, I love this. Next on the list, we've got... 4. We hate you for your crimes against Islam and wage war against you to punish you for your transgressions against our religion. As long as your subjects continue to mock our faith, insult our prophets, including Noah, Abraham, Moses, and Muhammad, burn the Quran, and openly vilify the laws of the Sharia, we will continue to retaliate, not with slogans and placards, but with bullets and knives. We hate you for your crimes against the Muslims, your drones and fighters and jet bombs. Okay, so now, now the next, these, these are the ones. Now the, number five and number six are the ones for invading lands and drones. So, they do not care as much about children being blown up on accident or on purpose, whatever you want to believe to yourself, I don't care, um, as much as they care about you lighting the Quran on fire. Like that, that is a larger transgression to them. So even even in the debate, there's se there seems to be some brushing off of this, but any any vilification of the Sharia, seriously? So you can vilify my secularism, but I can't vilify your Sharia. That's okay. That's this is the problem, though. Is is this ideology that they have 
they believe the, their view is, is su supremacist. It's, it's supreme. Um, and supreme because God is the one that gave it to them. And that is counterintuitive to everything that we hold dear, I believe. At least for me. Atheist, agnostic, uh, secular people. Um, so, they go on to say, what's important to understand here is that although some might argue your foreign... <laughs> Oh my fucking god, I haven't read this and I'm reading it as I'm talking to you guys. What's important to understand here is that although some might argue that your foreign policies are the extent of what drives our hatred, this particular reason for hating you is secondary. Hence, the reason we addressed it at the end of the above list. It's like I didn't, I should have not even talked to you guys. I should have just fucking read this thing. The fact is, even if you were to stop bombing us, imprisoning us, torturing us, vilifying us, usurping our lands, we would continue to hate you because of our primary reason for hating you will not cease to exist until you embrace Islam. Even if you were to pay jizya and live under the authority of Islam in humiliation and being subdued, we would continue to hate you. No doubt would we stop fighting you then as we would stop fighting any disbelievers who enter into a covenant with us, but we would not stop hating you. What's equally, if not more important to understand, is that we fight you not simply to punish and deter you, but to bring you to true freedom in this life, salvation in the hereafter, freedom from being enslaved to your whims and your desires, as well as those of your clergy and legislators, and salvation by worshipping your Creator alone and following His Messenger. We fight you in order to bring you out from the darkness of disbelief and into the light of Islam and to liberate you from the constraints of living for the sake of the worldly life alone so that you may enjoy both the blessings of the worldly life and the bliss of the hereafter. The gist of the matter is there is indeed a rhyme to our terrorism, our warfare, our ruthlessness and brutality. As much as some of our, as, as much as some liberal journalists would like you to believe, what we do because we're simply monsters with no logic behind our course of action, the fact is that we continue to wage and escalate a calculated war against the West, thought it had ended several years ago. Uh, that the West had thought had ended several years ago. We continue dragging you further and further into a swamp that you clearly already thought you escaped, only to realize you're stuck even deeper within its murky waters, and we do so while offering you a way out on our terms. So you can continue to believe that those despicable terrorists hate you because of your lattes and your timberlands, and to continue spending ridiculous amounts of money to try and prevail in an unwinnable war. Or you can accept reality and recognize that we will never stop hating you until you embrace Islam, and we'll, we will never stop fighting you until you're ready to leave the swamp of warfare and terrorism through the exits that we provide for you, the very exits put forth by our Lord for the people of the scripture, Islam, jizya, or as a last means of fleeting respite, a temporary truce. So this, this is, there is no, 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 words to really describe how succinct this is. The most interesting part about this is the fact that 
people will say, well, they're trying to remove the gray area, which is make the, the moderate Muslims feel like it's a war against Islam and identify with ISIS somehow. One, let's, let's go over that. So somehow you want me to believe that they think they can make people who value secularism and people who value whatever the same beliefs as us, um, identify with ISIS. So that's how weak-minded you think moderate Muslims are. You, you think they are incapable of thinking like normal human beings. That like the moment you threaten anything that says the word Islam on it at all, um, they can't separate themselves from that. So that's incredible. Um, the second thing you have to realize is the fact that even there, there, there's a chicken and egg concept that's, that's going through here. So do they want to remove the gray area just because they are using religion and they want to get more Muslims in their ranks? Or do they really believe it? And that is why they want to remove the gray area because this is what they really believe. Why do you assume that everything they're doing is lies? Why do you assume that everything they've done is with a calculated narrative? The, the, their, what, what was their narrative in, in Meet Us in Dabiq? What was their narrative in uh, all of their Meet Us in Dabiq videos? What, why, why would they go around touting apocalyptic Islamic scripture? Because they're liars? Why would they accurately report when their guys are dying? Because they're liars? I, I feel like there's this misconception here. Um, they may have some obvious agenda, but it's within the realm of their beliefs, not outside the realm of their beliefs. And I think the fact that people constantly are running to make excuses for this is, is insulting. Um, they might not hate our freedoms, quote unquote, but they certainly hate our values. And they certainly think our values are so bad that we're worth uh, getting killed for them. Now, yeah, we might get a temporary truce, but I'm telling you, you, you let a caliphate get propped up. It is countdown until a, a war. And a great example is just look at Iran. Uh, that is, for all intents and purposes, a caliphate. It is an Islamic Republic. Um, and we're trying everything we can to avoid dealing with these people. But sooner or later, we're going to have to deal with them. Sooner or later, you cannot push these these things off long enough. Eventually, there will be a conflict. And if you don't think that's going to happen, then you're just living in a really nice world where things look really, really good from your distance. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed speaking with you, and I'll speak with you guys next week. لأنك نصرنا قاتل لداء الكفر في كل الحصون نعم قاوم لأنك فجرنا قاوم وأمطر من سلالة صهيوني